Hi, this is Mark. Hello, this is Matt. And welcome to our podcast, Lessons from the Field, where we talk with staff members from the Austin Independent School District about teaching and learning in our community. Our discussions focus on distance learning and how it impacts teachers and students. Welcome back to another episode of Lessons from the Field. This is Mark and Matt, and we have an incredible high school art teacher as our interviewee today. And so, sir, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Mark and Matt. My name is Jeff Secker Martinez, and I'm a teacher at McCallum High School here in Austin, Texas. Um, I've been an educator for 26 years and um, nationally board certified. Um, I just recently got my master's degree in educational leadership. So I'm thinking that at some point in the next year or two, uh, I might be making a shift to administration, but I haven't yet kind of made that transition. My daughter's about to be a senior this year at McCallum, and so I, I kind of would like nice. to be part of that. But I also want you know to start doing something a little bit different, just to see if I can make some differences and make some changes um, in our systems. Um, I love teaching art, you know, and I've I've attempted some some other jobs and stuff, but haven't gotten those. So we'll see. I'm I'm keeping everything out and and hoping that that at some point something will kick in. But um, I was an English teacher for two years oh, in nice. El Paso. Okay. Um, saved up enough money to go to school and went to the University of Arizona for art. Got my degree in studio art and then moved back. Once my father passed away when I was there for the second year. And so I moved back to El Paso to help my mom and then became an art teacher. I challenged the exam. Back then you could challenge the exam. I mean, it's been a long time. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so yeah, we, we moved to, to Austin in 2000. You know, I worked at Harris. I was at Austin High for a really long time and then moved to McCallum Fine Arts Academy. So I've been there ever since. And, and I love it. I mean, my wife works at McCallum and my kids, you know, one of my kids goes, goes there and my other ones goes to Lamar. So it's great. I mean, it's a good sense of the community. That's a great story. So how long have you been at McCallum then? I know you said Harris and Austin before that. So I've been, so we were here in 2000. I was at Harris for one year and then I, I moved to Austin High for 14 years. So oh, I've been wow. Yeah, I've been at McCallum for six now, which is kind of crazy. And you did art, art yeah. at Austin High? Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm, uh, I'm a painter. That's what I do. And, and so I was, I'm able to teach uh, painting and drawing and AP art. And then um, I team teach uh, the foundations, the new kids coming in as visual arts majors. So we get kids from around the, the city. So that's a great, it's, it's been a great, it's been a great career. Like I, I, I love my career and I love the opportunities that I've had. And, and, you know, I always say we stand on the shoulders of giants because, you know, you can't do anything by yourself. Like you, every, everything has been because somebody has given me a break. And so that is, that's the, the one thing that I think I will take, you know, to my grave, like help other people out because they need that break. And so that's, that's kind of the foundation that I kind of strive on and live with. Nice. And you said your wife also teaches at McCallum. What does she yeah, teach? So she, she's the math department head at McCallum. Okay. She does calculus and she does um, some of the, some of the other classes that I don't even know, honestly. Nice uh, balance. The artist, yeah, and it really left is. brain, it really right is. brain, for sure, man. Yeah. And she's she is uh, the idea. Like she has great ideas and stuff. And usually I implement her ideas. And so it's, we're a good team, you know. So I think it works really well. And the kids know us, and we know the kids. You know, they're they're my daughter's friends, and and so um, so it's it's a great it's a great community. I, I think it's you know it's almost like a small town in a big city, but I love it. I think it's a it's a it's a good place to be right now for sure. Great. We appreciate you sharing that story. And and like Mark said, the whole math art thing, I mean, that's that's kind of a cool thing. I my my yeah. wife is an elementary teacher and I was a high school teacher for quite a while. And it's so weird how we just have that that balance of each other. 
Yeah. That's and awesome. your brains are just wired differently. So, you know, like we throw things at each other and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Or, Hey, I, you know, like, she'll be like, let me teach you something. And if you get it, then I get, I know my kids will understand it. I'm like, okay. So, you know, <laughs> so things like that really work out well, but it's, it's, you know, we're educators and I think she works harder than I work for sure uh, as a math teacher. And, and, uh, but I, you know, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a good combination. Yeah. That's fantastic. So to start off our podcast for today, um, and again, we we thank you for joining us. Um, so we've had quite a transition from the end of this past school year into summer, and then now kind of thinking about what the fall is going to look like. So if you can kind of just share with us um, kind of how your 2019-2020 school year ended, and we'll kind of just go from there. So I guess being a high school teacher, the hardest part, and maybe this is for everybody, but in my experience, the hardest part was, you know, not being able to say goodbye, not being able to, to just kind of end the year. We were lucky and able that we kind of got really quick and we had some, you know, we had good leadership at our school. And so we were actually able to kind of try to get ahead of the game as much as possible. I have some great colleagues that I work with. You know, I love all the people that I work with, my art teachers and stuff. And so we all kind of got on board. And so we decided to come up with like lessons where we could offer choice to students. Um, because once again, we didn't really know what was going to happen. We didn't know if all kids had accessibility to technology. We assumed they didn't. And then even though we're on one-on-one at the high school, you know, some kids lost their cords or the computer broke or, you know, something happened, or maybe they left it at dad's house and they're with mom. And so, so it, there was a lot of situations that we had to really think about when we were designing our curriculum for the last, what, few weeks of school from March until May. So we, what we decided to do is we actually came up with a website that had a bunch of lessons where kids could choose, kind of pick and choose their lessons, depending on what they had at home, the resources. I started off, you know, by we would have, well, we had our Zoom meetings. And so we would have these, these weekly Zooms. And so um, we would talk to our kids as a check-in. And at that point, I think I was more concerned about their mental health than I was the curriculum. I thought curriculum is pretty important, but their mental health was the most important because we have a lot of kids. Um, sadly, we have a lot of kids and I, this goes across the board, but you know, that are kind of struggling with mental health issues or things happen. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what do I, how do I handle this? And so that was our, our main priority. We designed a, a website where kids could actually choose their lesson. And then they all had like different timelines. And so we had benchmarks for different things that they would do. Um, and we had everything from non-art making things where you actually are learning or getting knowledge from someplace and maybe a museum tour and then writing a critique. And so you're developing your writing skills to, you know, actually creating a painting or um, I'm hoping that one of the things that two of the projects that I I came up with was we did a coloring book for kids. And so kids made pages for the elementary feeder schools. And that kind of was something. Um, And then maybe starting a rock garden, like a therapeutic rock garden. So kids were actually like painting on rocks. And then, so it was just a way for them to have a creative outlet. And that's kind of the way we saw our curriculum from that point to May. Coming up for this next year, I think we're going to have to really examine the standards. And um, I know right now there's a move to, you know, do power standards. And so actually kind of condense the standards so that we're not all over the place, you know, teaching everything on a timeline that we've established ourselves. Like we want to make sure that we're teaching kind of deeper than, you know, a lot. You know, we don't want to teach a lot. We want to teach in depth and then maybe problem solving skills. The challenge for us coming up, I think, will be getting materials to everybody. And then especially in the arts, but I would imagine everywhere 
in, in all, in all you know, strands, but getting materials and getting uh, supplies to all the kids so that everybody has a chance to kind of create depending on what they want to do. So, so that's kind of been where we are, um, you know, and, and you have kids that, you know, we've all kind of cried on, on zoom. And, you know, I had one kid who, who just stayed on to the very end and she's like, Oh, it just seems so sad that we're just leaving for summer. And I said, yeah, it is, but you know, we'll see each other next year. And, and then um, we got to, uh, one of our, our teachers or two of our teachers, actually, they, they organized a senior um, show. And so um, for our majors. And so that was great because it was like a, it was kind of set up like East and West where um, kids actually put their artwork outside on their front yard. And then there was a map where people could go to their houses and then see their art from a distance. So that was great planning. And that was, that was amazing. And two of my colleagues did that as opposed to like the gallery show that we usually have at the end of the school year. So, sure. so that was a great way to see kids. And then we have graduation coming up this week. We had the virtual graduation. So there's been opportunities for sure to at least have some sort of closure. Um, but it's not the same. I mean, we all want to see our kids. And, you know, like I said, we all kind of you know, cry about it. But it's kind of like, okay, wipe those tears. Let's figure out a plan. You know, what can we do to kind of make it work? And that's always been, I think that's always something that I kind of think about as well. But the equity portion is, is huge. I mean, I, I really use that lens, especially from grad school. Like I, I really have that lens when I'm looking at practices now. And so that's really the focus of, of you know, how do I make it fair for everybody? And that's kind of, that's where I'm at. Great. No, so you have me intrigued about the non-art path. And so can you talk a little bit about, because I know with this whole distance learning thing that, you know, people immediately want to go to the latest and greatest tech tool and how can I incorporate that into my curriculum? But I'm really interested to know how you went about, and, and I know you briefly talked about this, but how you help those students that didn't necessarily feel comfortable with using technology. I mean, just if you can kind of just walk us through what what that looked like from your non-art type of thing that you had talked about yeah and I can't say that we solved that I mean we definitely had some kids that didn't engage at all like once you know spring break came around like we didn't hear from them despite you know the phone calls and the calling and I mean the phone calls and the emails and the you know trying to get a hold of people and even telling other kids hey you know contact so-and-so and oh well they moved away because they you know the parents got unemployed so they had to move out and they moved somewhere else and so you have these situations that that happened and our hope was just to see how they were and just see if they were okay um luckily you know we weren't assigning grades and so there was a whole that aspect was in there which was which helped but I think the hardest, I mean, that was just the hardest part. And so I think that's going to be our biggest challenge. I, I don't know if I have a, a solution yet to get a hold of everybody. I like that AISD was pretty quick and, you know, they had like the packets, like the paper packets, you know, and they offered lunches for kids. And they, there was a lot of things that kind of our city stepped up and our, our, our district stepped up, you know, and there's a lot of critics out there. And I, I, I understand, you know, the critics, everybody wants answers and everybody wants things now and fast, but it's a hard process. And, and I think that is something, you know, and I, I don't consider myself a company man at, at all. Like usually I'm, I'm pretty much like, let me look at both sides, but honestly, like talking to other people in other cities and, and seeing what was happening, like in my hometown, for example, or other places like AISD really did a good job in terms of the amount of kids they had um, to offer as much as they could to as many people as they could. I think what we need to do next time is find ways of communicating. You know, the, the kids go through social media platforms. You know, at our school, we have Mac Journalism, which is a really great communication tool. And that has become like the prime tool. So even kids that don't have technology at home, they have their phones and they follow Mac Journalism. So if you want something for the kids to know or parents to know, then you go through Mac Journalism. And it is, it is honestly the best thing that we have had. And, and that's Mr. Winter at our school. You know, he started that up and, and it's, it's been great. Like that is the biggest communication tool. 
you know, and then we also do like social media platforms, even though we have like our, you know, we have blend and we have the announcements and we have things that are, that are pretty standard um, in the high school. Um, we also try to put in like the social media um, aspect and try to send out announcements that way. And so, you know, and once again, we don't reach a lot of people or we don't reach everybody, you know, and then, so one of the things I'm hoping for in the next few you know, months that we will be able to do things like in Spanish, or we'll be able to do things like maybe put up announcements, you know, at the local HEB or something. So places where people congregate, I think that's a good way of communicating, you know, find where people go and then go to where they go and then announce it. Um, and once again, going to that small town mentality, you know, like small town in a big city, like what do small towns do to get the word out when not everybody has the resources? So those are things that I think are important for us to think about as teachers, but also administrators to think about um, when they're trying to reach the masses. It's hard. I mean, it's definitely hard. And, and even, you know, with summer school, my wife's been working summer school and, and it has been a struggle getting kids to, you know, log on and be consistent and you know, getting what they need to get going. And, and so it's, it's tough. And we can't blame parents. We can't blame me. Oh, we're going to blame the parents for not caring. You know, you can't do that because nobody knows what people's situations are. You know, they could be unemployed. You know, not everybody has daycare. You know, we're blessed because we're both teachers and we're here with our kids. And if anything, the, one of the best things that came out of this for me was that I was more, I became more involved in my kids' education. Like I always assumed, oh, the teachers got it. They're, they're fine. You know, my kids are going to be great. But now I actually had to like engage with them and sit with them for, you know, an hour or two or whatever and go through lessons and read with them and whatever, you know, not so much my high school kid. She kind of has her own, you know, agenda, but you know, my, my youngest, I definitely was engaged with her. And, and, and so it, it brought us closer together, uh, but it also got me involved in what she was doing versus just assuming that, you know, oh yeah, she got an A or she got a B and she's fine. You know, um, I don't know what she's learning, but now I kind of do. So even even if we had, you know, meetings where maybe more, I don't know about Zoom meetings, but if we had more, you know, some sort of a community engagement where, you know, a parent and a student like got on together or I don't know. And I, like I said, I don't have a plan. I, I, I wish I, I had all the solutions, but I think in talking to what other people are doing across the country, I think we can come up with something as well um, that works for Austin and Austin ASD. Thanks, Jeff. That was that was great, and you you bring a real unique perspective to it, both as a teacher and then as a, a parent with kids in the program in the district, which is really interesting. I think you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but I'm wondering if you can talk about some of the challenges that you encountered and and the opportunities that you found because of these challenges. And with a slight twist, I'm going to ask. If you would focus first as a teacher within the district primarily, and then depending on time and your comfort level, if, if there was anything as a parent separate that you might be willing to share. Okay. Yeah. So for, for me, the challenge, like I talked about that, but reaching all the kids, you know, how do we reach the kids as a teacher? You know, how do you reach all the kids when, when people are just kind of no longer on the face of the earth? Kind of, you're just like, whoa, what happened to them? So that's been the challenge. And uh, poor internet, not everybody having, you know, a, uh, the bandwidth, you know, especially when all family members are on a computer or um, everybody's trying to do their homework at the same time or some, you know, that's a challenge too. For me, I think it was, how do we teach art? You know, that was, you know, I'm an art teacher. And so I was thinking about, okay, well, how do I teach art? That's what online? I'm curious how do I, about. Distance learning. Yeah. So that was, that was really tough. And our demographics at our school, I mean, we have kids, you know, who have their own oil paints and studios at home, you know, and then we have kids who only have like computer paper and pencil. And if they break their point, you know, they have to, they don't have a sharpener. So it's kind of like, uh, 
And a lot of kids left their materials. We usually have materials for them that we provide with them at the beginning of the school year. A lot of kids left their materials at school. So we weren't able to actually access a lot of the things that they had. So at this point, we had to figure out, okay, well, how do we teach art? I started off, and I have this on YouTube, but it's, it's, I, I have a brand that I kind of use for myself called A Little Bit of Noise. And so A Little Bit of Noise, is it, go, it applies to kind of everything. So I did a, a video called A Little Bit of Mac at Home, Volume 1, and it's on, it's on YouTube. But I, my, my goal was, at the beginning of this, was, oh, I'm going to do these videos, these like instructional videos, but make them fun and kind of make them like TikToks, but a little bit longer. Kids are kind of into that. So I was like talking to my daughter about that and uh, without sounding, you know, I sound like an old man now. But I was, trying to, I was trying to figure out, okay, what would be funny? Like, how do you engage the kids? What are some games you could play? You know, to kind of like, you know, get them to come to my Zoom, because that was the first thing. You know, I didn't want to be another teacher who just talks at the kids. And at some point that did happen. That just became, you know, kids were like, oh, you're just going to share announcements and we're, you know, whatever. And so, so that was something that I've got to think about for coming up. But finding ways to engage them quickly and wanting them to be there. So the video was an attempt at that. And, um, and then after the video, kids were saying, oh, it was a great video, but you know, we were tired of seeing videos. Everybody's posting videos. And it's like, we are tired of videos. We're tired of screen time. My wife had a, a great idea. She did this thing called Drawsaurus. And this is a great thing like for all levels, but I told her, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that. And I, you know, I, was, I played it a couple of times, but it's basically like a win, lose or draw kind of game. Um, you get three categories. And you have to pick a word from one of the three categories. And basically you draw that on your screen and everybody has to guess what you draw. So it's just a fun, like quick, you know, how do we, how do we play a game before we start something? So, so you think about ice, you know, icebreakers, or you think about, you know, warm ups in class before you actually start instruction. So those are the things that I think are important. Did you end up utilizing blend as well for a lot of the instructional and get them actively learned? Or did you find other ways to do that? So we, yeah, we use Blend. And I, I'm sorry, I assume that everybody knows what Blend is, but Blend is our, our platform that we use. And, and it's great. It's, it's, a, it's a resource where, you know, kids can go to um, our class and they basically get instructions and then they, you know, follow through on the instructions. Um, they turned in assignments. So we had kids, basically, they were creating their art pieces. And like I said, they had choice. So they would upload their assignments, they would photograph them, or they would, um, you know, take a picture and describe it or, or whatever, or they would write something and then they would actually upload it to Blend uh, where we would grade it. And when I say grade, you know, it's in quotes because we would look at it and we would assess it and we would give feedback. So I would, I would sit down and that was my Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, like, you know, yay, I'm, you know, grading stuff and I'm assessing and, and it's good. I mean, it's what it was, but you're sitting down and you're basically giving a kid feedback for everything that they do. And, and that, that was really important to me to make sure that we did offer feedback. I think that we'll continue using Blend for sure. I mean, that's, I think that's a, a you know, I, I wish we had a one-stop shop and I, I, and Blend kind of is that, but it's also, you know, they have to keep going to each classes. And, and so that's the hardest part about this thing. What worked for us as a department is that we worked together. And so we were all pretty consistent with what we were offering the kids and then the way we provided feedback. So every teacher was kind of doing something similar, uh, if not the same thing. And so that really helped um, in terms of, you know, kids not getting confused about, oh, what day, you know, and I would have kids that would miss my Zoom meeting because they were, they, um, you know, forgot or whatever. But that was one of the good things about our school is that the, um, leadership actually organized a schedule. So we actually, our, our classes didn't overlap. And so we saw our kids during a time that we would only see our kids. 
And then they asked us as teachers not to impose on somebody else's time. And then like our Fridays were used for um, open classrooms or it was tutoring or, you know, whatever kind of thing. So we could talk to kids one-on-one. And then we reached out to our special needs community too. So we have a couple of kids um, in our scores classes that would come to the art classes also. So Ms. West and I, you know, we have similar, similar kids in our classes. So we actually would get together and we would actually Zoom a kid one-on-one and then talk to them. And, and once again, just giving them, you know, we have a couple of kids on the spectrum and we'd have those one-on-one conversations just to give them that normalcy. And I think that was something that, that I loved. I mean, it was, a, it was that conversation and they were so excited to see us and, and we were excited to see them. And, and their parents were very happy too because it also, it got them more than just like, oh, you're just another person. Like we were, we were talking to them one-on-one. It was, it was cool. I mean, that, those are the good things that came out of all, a lot of this. And once again, thinking about privilege all the time and thinking about, well, you know, those people had privilege and they had a computer and they had, you know, the, the resources. And, you know, I, there are people that we weren't able to do that for because we couldn't get a hold of them. So I don't know if that answers anything. And your, your, your question, I kind of went off on a tangent. Um, the thing that I got out of this was reaching out to other non-AISD communities, educational communities. So I made a lot of friends nationally, I would say, on various platforms. You know, we've talked about, hey, what are you doing in New York? What are you doing in Wisconsin? You know, what's happening over there? That kind of thing. You know, and they still assume in the Midwest and, in, and on the East Coast that we're riding horses and or whatever. It's like, no, we're not. We don't do that in Texas. We don't do that in Austin. I know there's a show that's based in Austin. It's like, I don't know, like Austin 911 or something like that. And people watch that. And I'm like, okay, that is not like, we're not like that in Austin at all. Like we are a city and we are. The old know, show Walker, Texas Rangers. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. That's way back. <laughs> right. I, know, I totally get what you're saying. But same idea. I'm like, come on, we are not, you know, we don't ride horses to school. We're, you know, so, so I think that was a good thing that came out of this. And then, like I said before, you know, being part of my own personal kids education was, was also um, a great thing that happened as a result. If there's a silver lining, those are the things that, that I think um, have happened. Um, but you feel isolated. I mean, I, you know, don't get me wrong. Like we were here and I was like, God, you could totally like just turn your computer on and tell the kids, okay, check in, go away. And then that's it. And I mean, I can definitely see people doing that. I, I didn't hear of anybody doing that, thankfully. But, um, and then I would tell my kids, like, make sure you, you get up at a certain time, like follow a routine, take a shower, brush your teeth. You know, like the reason why we're doing these Zoom classes at a specific time is so that you can actually engage and get going with your life. Um, because kids would fall into depression and they'd be like, oh, you know, I, I fell asleep and I was, you know, up till four in the morning. And then I, I woke up at like four in the afternoon and, and I'm like, no, 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 you got to like stay on a schedule. Like that's what you have to do. Like that's just, you know, otherwise you're going to fall down this like rabbit hole. You know, I know that the video games are, are enticing, but you know, try not to as much as possible. So that was a challenge, you know, getting the kids to, to kind of actually say, okay, I, you know, I want to try to learn something. Yeah, that's great, Jeff. Thanks for sharing that whole perspective. I know it's, uh, it's just something so new to us that, you know, we wouldn't have never imagined back in last August, right? Like, hey, if I would have told you that in March, uh, you know, you were going to end the year online, I would have been like, whoa, that's, you know, something very strange. But yeah, so kind of shifting gears a little bit, one of the questions that I have and has kind of just been, as I'm listening to you speak today, what has been something that, or it can be more than one thing, what what are some positives that you can take away from this whole experience? And not only that, if and you can take this question a, a different route if you want to, but 
you could also think about what are some things that you wish you would have known before we transitioned into this online environment. So again, if you want to think of anything positive that you can take away, or what do you wish you would have known? I think the important thing to understand is, is we have this opportunity to build professional communities and this is the time to do it. You know, we say, oh, we are in isolation. Like we are here, you know, we're in our homes, but if we can find ways to engage in different types of learning, um, I did the SEL symposium a couple of weeks ago and, and that was pretty fantastic. And they did a great job. They, they got people from the community to come in and talk. You know, other teachers were kind of having classes, you know, they did breakout rooms. So there was engagement. You know, I got to meet this this teacher from as a pre-K teacher. She was amazing. Like she was, I was like, holy smokes, I didn't even know you existed. Like that's, so those are the, those are the you know, because you're stuck in your like high school world and you, you know the people that you work with and, you know, even smaller, you know, your department and that's pretty much the people, you know, it's the people you eat lunch with and that becomes your world. And so the great thing about this was, was having those opportunities where you could actually go in and talk to people. And almost like the breakout rooms, like kind of like we're doing here, like where we're just talking and just kind of having conversations about different things, you know, and everybody has different perspectives and, you know, you could turn off your video and roll your eyes and then come back to it. But, you know, it's a great thing that you can, you can do that. And so for me, that's the best thing that came out of this. One of the, another good thing that came out of this was, was that. And then I, I just think it's hard for sure. And I think one of the things we have to figure out is, is what are other people doing how can we adapt that for us? And then send the word out. I think, I think send out the word that, you know, we're trying our best and we're doing our best and we're human. And I think people forget that sometimes, especially policymakers, you know, or especially people towards policymakers um, that, you know, people are trying, you know, I was, I was watching a school board meeting last night and I know this will air later, but I was watching it last night and, and it was, it was crazy. Like there's questions that it's like, well, yeah, well, we don't, I I understand that everybody wants things now and, and, but things will change very quickly. So I think, I think giving the word out that we're trying our best and that, you know, we're all human beings, we're all parents, or we're not, we're not all parents, but people are parents and, and have kids and, you know, we have responsibilities and we're trying to figure it out. I think that's a good message to send out. You know, I think if, if people kind of get that, yeah, we're all human and we're all, you know, and I think that's going to be the common thread that's going to kind of link us all together. You know, all the protests, you know, with George Floyd and stuff, and, and you know, that's something that brings people together. But I think it also builds up a consciousness like we're, oh, wow, things aren't perfect. And, you know, how can we make these changes? You know, and I think those are things that we all want. We all want what's best for our kids. We all want what's best for our families. And so how do we get there? That's the thing that we have to come up with solutions, I think. And so being able to talk to other people and seeing what they're doing, I think that's the way to get the answer. Jeff, I got one final question and then we're going to okay. go a little bit off script for you. All right. Um, so you're going to be our tip facilitator for us in the yeah. fall. You're going to be working with new hires, some of which this will be their first year of teaching. Others, though, this is their first year in the district. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what the fall is going to look like. You know, like I was listening to the same school board meeting last night. We, we just don't know. Right. We really yeah. don't. But what messages would you like to share with the new hires, because you're you're essentially going to be one of our first points of contact. You're yeah. you're a district representative there. So what what are some words of wisdom that you would like to share with those new hires thinking about start of school in August? Well, I think starting off with a positive attitude is really important. I think attitude is everything. You know, coming in with a with a doom and gloom. Oh, I'm not sure how we're going to do this. Like that is not going to help anyone. So I think coming in with like a you know we can do it. We can figure this out. 
solution, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's going to be key. And that's, that's what I would say is probably first and foremost, in addition to, I guess, um, helping, you know, making sure that you're, you're kind of focusing on what is the best for the kids, not what's best for you and not what's best for your schedule, but really what's looking at, you know, what is best for the kids. And then what, what you think, you know, if you feel like you might, you know, get sick or whatever, like those are also things that we have to keep in mind. You know, you don't want to be compromised. You don't want to compromise your health because if you're, if you're sick, you can't help the kids. And so there's, there's that. So I think that's the, the start off. I think the second thing is when you're thinking about your curriculum and you're thinking about what you're going to teach and how you're going to teach, I think, you know, put yourself in the kids' shoes. Like, would you like to learn what you're learning? And then, and we talk about power standards and, and I think those are things to kind of consider. Um, you don't have to teach everything, you know, all the time. Like you can just be available and then teach, you know, what you think should be taught and, and not just what you teach, but the curriculum. And I know they're developing different curriculum models. So that's, I think those are the things that are pretty important. Yeah. And I, I just think, you know, just looking at your population, like looking at who you teach, you know, how can you reach the kids and then just kind of like ask for help. I mean, people don't like to ask for help because they get embarrassed or they feel like they're going to fail. And I think, you know, asking for help or having a mentor and, and hopefully I can be that person for some of these new teachers. And, and I think asking for help and saying, you know, I'm not really sure how to do this. And, you know, I've tried to figure it out, try to figure it out first. And then if you can't, then ask for help. Um, and I think that is something that I think we, we can do for each other, you know, be collaborative and, and, you know, tap each other's brains. Like I said, I think, I think the more brains you have on something, the, the better off an idea is executed. Yeah, those are, I think those are, those are the things to think about. You know, I'm going to start that up pretty soon. And so I've tried to think about, okay, what is this going to look like? I don't know. I've done this in the past. I, I was, I was tip and then I was doing my master's degree. So I didn't do that for a while. And I come back to it. And I love that the arts are part of the kids' world. And to me, that is, that's what brings the kids to school. And that's what gets the kids involved. And, and you've got to give it more than lip service. Like, you know, that's, it's more than just, oh yeah, it's fluff. You know, it's, it's more than that. You, you know, see a lot of that. those posts on social media and whatnot. It's the arts that are helping get a lot of people through, you know, the stay at home orders. Oh yeah. Whether it's, it's music, whether it's visual arts, poetry. Yeah. All of that and stuff. It's, and we could do so much more. Like we could bring out the arts into the community and we could do so much, you know, get these kids involved and, you know, get corporate sponsors and really kind of help in that capacity. And, and kind of make it bigger. You know, I think, I always think big is better, like in productions out of things, you know, it's not just like, oh, a quiet art show. Like you want a big production and you want something that's, you know, the big band, you know, that kind of thing. Like that's, that's what you want. Um, because that get, that's what gets people's attention. And that's also what, what makes it exciting for the kids. You know, I'm, my heart's breaking because my daughter is, is uh, she's going to be captain of Blue Brigade and their football season, of course, we don't know what's going to happen. So she's like, yeah. oh my gosh, like I, and so it's breaking my heart because I can hear friends and everybody they're like, oh, are we going to be able to march? Are we gonna? So all those uncertainties, you know, if, if my kid's feeling that, there's millions of kids that are feeling that. And then there's kids that are like, you know, I have to work right now because my parents are unemployed. And how am I going to do that if I'm at school full time? And, you know, so there's all these things that are happening. And, and um, you know, we're just, we're just blessed to have you know, the things that we have here, I guess. I, I'm, I'm happy about it. Thanks, Jeff. I think that's great. So we're going to go off script here for a little bit. Okay. So Jeff, don't think too hard about these questions. First thing that pops into your head. All right. Okay. <laughs> What's the first thing you're going to do when we know 100% certainty that it's safe to go out and do what we used to do? What's the first thing you want to, you want to do? Wow. God, this is hard. I don't know. I've... <laughs> I'm thinking about it way too much. I think see a movie, go to a movie theater. Just go to a movie theater. 
You know, I haven't, I haven't seen a movie in a theater in a while. Maybe that's, I've been thinking about that and like, oh, that'd be fun. Okay, Jeff, next question, sir. Favorite Austin restaurant? Favorite Austin restaurant? I was heartbroken when Shady Grove closed down yes. because that was my favorite Austin restaurant. So now I don't know. I, that was my go-to birthday. I would do my chicken fried steak every year since, probably since we've been here. <laughs> wow. So 20 years, you know, I love Shady Grove. And other places aren't aren't the same. I mean, that just that just had an Austin vibe, and that's the reason why we moved to Austin. Not not because of Shady Grove, but because of that vibe. Yeah. Um, that I feel like is changing now. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to find another restaurant soon. There's a great Mexican restaurant that I always give a shout out to. That I we go to now. We don't go to as much, but it's called El Caribe. Okay. And it's a little it's a little kind of restaurant behind McCallum. Um, great Mexican food. And the waitress is so like, she's so nice always when I walk in and stuff. And, and, but it's, it's, a, it has attitude and it's a small little unassuming restaurant. Like, you know, you wouldn't even know it was there, but it's good. So that may lead then to my final little random thought. Maybe not your favorite place to get a taco in Austin. Wow. That is hard because that's changes. That <laughs> changes. I mean, it's gone from, Oh man. So it used to be torchies. I don't think it's torchies anymore. Okay. I think, so right now we've been eating tacos at uh, Papalote. I don't know if you know Papalote. I don't. Where's Papalote that? Papalote is really great. I, I think their tacos are always pretty consistently good. Um, and then we've been getting tacos down the road from where I live. It's a place called Casa Guanajuato, okay. which is um, La Casita. And it's a little, little, a small little unassuming restaurant, you know, and it's great. Once again, tacos, my chorizo tacos, like, and then when Whataburger, I, I was in a Whataburger commercial like a couple of years ago. I don't know if you, you know that, but randomly, that's a, that's a random story. So I am always a fan of the Whataburger taco, taquito, and the chorizo and egg tacos are like my favorite. And so every time they go away, I'm just like heartbroken. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? Are you still on a commission? Is that why you're bringing <laughs> I'm not, but I, I'm, I'm open to commercials. If there's another commercial they want me to start, I would definitely do it. Uh, it was random. I was eating at a restaurant and, and this woman was like, video she's like hey would you like to be in a commercial i was like sure and then like a few months later they called me up and they were like you know come down to wherever it was flugerville or something and we filmed the commercial and it was it was the weirdest thing so you're being yourself right but but then they're also like feeding you lines kind of so they're like okay say you know say oh that's so good and you're like oh it's so good and say oh, say it more enthusiastically and so you know so somebody's watching you while you're doing these things and then they kind of put it all together and then you have like you know, two seconds on a commercial that's exciting. So that was a, that was kind of strange. Like, you know, when people would be like, oh, you're the water brewer guy. I'm like, mm, yeah, kind of, you know, <laughs> for that moment. But it was great. It was, it was a good, you know, once again, life experience. Well, those are, that was a great story. So to close out the podcast, what we always like for our guests to do is kind of just share some inspiring words. You know, our, our audience for this platform reaches all over the U.S. And I know we have a handful of people that are listening worldwide. So um, if you can just kind of just share with our audience just some positive or like key takeaways or anything that can kind of inspire them as we get ready for our upcoming school year. Okay, so I, I have two that I kind of follow. Um, the first one is personal. The second one is more like a universal. But the first one is somebody told me a long time ago that you don't ever have to tell people that you're good at something. They will tell you. And so that is always stuck in my brain, like in my mind. Like, you know, you have people that are always boasting, oh, I'm this and that and I've done this and I'm, you know, a great whatever. And they say that about themselves, whether it's indirectly or directly. So I've always believed, you know, be a little bit more humble, be a little bit more low key. And I'm, I'm not super low key either, but um, I try, you know, you, people will tell you when you're doing a great job, like you don't have to, they will tell you. 
Um, they'll also tell you when you do a bad job. But, but if you listen to people, the critics will actually tell you how you're doing. And, you know, you don't have to tell the world, oh, I'm so good or, you know, whatever. Um, and then the second one is, you know, always, the, the, you know, be true to yourself, be, be authentic. You know, that's huge. And just realize that not everybody has the same opportunities. And I, I think we, we tend to quickly judge others. You know, and I think if you are, if you can put it, you know, and, you know, I think about Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird, one of my favorite books. You know, I, I think about that, you know, put yourself in somebody else's shoes for once and see, you know, how they walk and their experiences because our experiences make up who we are. And so you can't judge people that quickly because you don't know where they've come from. But having those dialogues and those conversations, I think those are the starting points to come to an agreement. You, know, you may not agree all the time and you may not, you know, ever come to a, a solution, but I think having those solutions, you know, and, and, and talking things out, I think that's the way to do it. Um, and I mean that earnestly. Like, I, I really feel that that is the way to, to get to where we want to get as a society. Um, and especially in education. Kids love to talk. And kids love to talk about themselves. And, you know, we talked about, about SEL and we talked about all that stuff. And, you know, if you just make that part of your, your being, you know, just, oh, let's, let's have a conversation before we actually start, you know, or let's, let's just kind of like sit down and like relax and like reflect. Um, that was one of the best things about, about National Board for me was as an educator. I did National Board a few years ago and, and then just did the renewal recently. But the idea of reflecting, like sitting down in your classroom at the end of the day and then thinking, okay, what really sucked? What, what, was, what went terrible? And then what was great? You know, or, oh, did I get a chance to talk to the, the kid in the corner that I never really talked to? Because we really kind of focus on the middle kid. We always focus on the kid that's, you know, active and talkative. And, and so sometimes we just we forget about some kids. And so I think those are the things that we got to be very aware of. Uh, we're the adults and we're the educators. So I think, you know, if we're really doing our job, um, we've got to be aware of the room. You know, it's like the comedians that know the room. You know, you got to know the room. And I think that's key, especially when you're an educator. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Please be sure to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, and SoundCloud. These podcasts are produced by the Professional Learning Department of the Austin Independent School District. Follow us on Twitter at Austin ISD PL. Until next time, stay safe, my friends.